and listen about three times to that incredible song, Mary, Did You Know? And the words just riveted in my heart, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the sea with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod and when you kissed your little child, you kissed the face of God? I'm trembling right now, trembling right now, all by myself. After I watched the whole thing, I just hit it again. Let's hear that one more time. <laughs> I just wanted to go into that deep and holy place from the crib to the cross. Is the title of this morning's message. Mary was the one person on earth who witnessed it all. And so let's zoom on the promise given to her at the very beginning. You will give birth to a son and give him the name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. And he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And the angel said to Mary, and he will be great. He will be great. Well, as we look at her story and we know that she stood before the cross and this son of the Most High was deserted and he was betrayed and falsely accused and mocked and beaten, the words, he will be great, was such a contrast. But then as she stood there and looked up and she wouldn't desert him, through the entire process, with blood streaming down his face, he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And in that moment, Mary saw her son, the son of God, majestic. Lord, we just thank you. As we turn our eyes as we step into the story, God, Lord, may it just shake us up. God, literally shake us up and give us holy tremble at the beauty and the glory and the wonder and the power and the pain of this one mother that you chose. God, may we just really not breeze past it. And hold it, hold tight to it for the next month plus as we move into that holy time of celebrating your birth. For we pray it in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. And they all said, Amen. There are so many moments, so many mysterious, beautiful, deep, full of glory moments. In Mary's story, she, she met Gabriel, the messenger of God, face to face. Can you imagine? And this same Gabriel is the one that defended her 
when Joseph believed that she had betrayed him. She, at 12, when Jesus was 12, she saw her son able to discuss deep, deep spiritual things with the religious elite, the scholars in the temple. And it's to her that he said, I must be about my father's business. Did you know that most scholars believe that Mary was one of the women who went to the tomb that third day and saw it empty? And she was also in the upper room at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. This was a roller coaster ride, really. This was so full of ups and downs. There was pain. There was pain. And there was desert times. And there was times that she must have said, What? What? But I love her story. I love that Joseph and Mary stepped in it together. About a month ago, I was in Brooklyn. And we drove by Coney Island. I didn't even know where Coney Island was. Never seen it before. And my friend said, you want to go? I said, sure. I've seen it on movies hundreds of times. And we stood in front of the oldest roller coaster in the United States, I think in the world, 95 years old this, this year. And when you go on it, you can hear the clickety-clack. It's old. That thing's going to break one day. And they said, do you want to go? And I felt like, I'm in Coney Island. Why not? And there was two, two teenagers, and the rest of the family, there was like seven of us. Three of us got on. And, and I just thought, I, uh, as I was thinking about that moment, I was thinking about Mary. She stood on the edge of a big roller coaster ride. But at the end of her life, I guarantee you, she would say, I wouldn't have missed it. Not for the world. Not for the world. Please turn in, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read because it's just too powerful to ad lib. Starting with verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered, What manner of greeting is this? The angel must have detected her uneasiness and said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus, and he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Then Mary said, the angel, how can this be? Since I don't know a man. Not that she didn't know a man, but this meant she would never been intimate. 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month for who was, call, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed. As we read this story, it is, it is an amazing story. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And I just can't help but ask the question, what was God looking for? What was he looking for? And what did he find in Mary? What made her, this little gal from Nazareth, the absolute perfect choice? Well, I think much of the secret is locked up in just five little words. Her cousin said, blessed is she who believes that God does what he says he can and will do. Blessed are you. Blessed is that woman. In that atmosphere that this happened and in her story, there would be no room at the inn. No room. It would be crowded out. In his lifetime, there would be no room in the temple for Jesus, not among the religious elite. There would be no room in Jerusalem. But this little gal, she said the words, my soul, five words, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. My God is big. And I'm going to make room inside of me. My soul and my life will stretch. And you know what? As I, as I looked over these words and thought of them this morning, I thought, and how untrue that will be over the next six weeks. There will be absolutely no room for Jesus. And I just want to look eye contact for all of us. Heart contract. May it not be for us. May we not crowd him out. In fact, starting today, may our soul just stretch. That we just drink in the majesty of this story. May we be just like her. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's life is an amazing tapestry of hardship and incredible off-the-charts blessing. Wouldn't you agree? As we begin our story with her, she becomes an unwed mother. And at one point in her story, she's a homeless mother. Since Joseph is not mentioned after Jesus is 12, she was probably then a widow, a young widow of seven children, scholars say, and a single mother. She experienced the anxiety of a mother whose son is missing. And worse yet, she saw her son murdered right before her eyes. This is a mother's worst fear, that her child will die before she does. 
I wonder if her parents ever saw their grandchild. They're never mentioned in the Bible. Did her parents die young? Was she an orphan? Or when they got the news that she was pregnant, did they consider her dead? So many details. Her son would one day tell the people, Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are they, and blessed she was. But sometimes, sometimes, don't we think that when God has a plan for your life, that he should just hand you all the pieces at once? All of the pieces. So right from the get-go, you can see all the pieces, what they are, and how they fit together. But David once said, not at, the, not at the beginning of his life when he was a young man, but at the end of the life, David would once say, but as for God, all his ways are perfect. All his ways are perfect. I hope each of you will look back on your life and say, as for God, Mary could, as for God, his ways are are perfect. Let's look at some of the contrasts of her life. When Jesus was born, she was very, very young. Some say 15, but her baby was as old as eternity. She conceived him, but he knew her before she was conceived. She initially was unmarried. Her son would never be married. She could hold him in her arms, but he could hold the universe in the palm of his hand. She was chosen by God, but almost rejected by Joseph. She was nobody, but he made literally everybody and everything. All things were made by him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Three foreign nobles traveled to worship her baby, but the king of her country wanted him dead. She was poor, yet Jesus could turn dust into diamonds. Later, she had other sons and daughters who didn't believe initially, but all of them, all of them came to faith, and two of her sons would write New Testament books. That's high. She herself was powerless, but her son could calm the storms and the winds and the waves. She gave birth in a barn. Wise men brought wealth and bowed at her feet. She was misunderstood. But Jesus is the wonderful counselor and the wisdom of God. She alone, she alone was the only human being that would see him take his first breath in a manger and his last breath on a cross. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so was she. And so was she. Again, doesn't 
can it make you want to know her? To step into her story? To make you know what God knew that made her the perfect choice for this incredible plan? Why did God, why could God entrust her with all of this? This is a big story. This is a big story. There are so many irresistible pieces that just shout out to us to visit. Back to Luke 1.26. To that, I mean, incredible moment. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth which people consider, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And the common answer was, no, no. This is an incredible moment. And on an ordinary day, to ordinary Mary, Gabriel, not just an angel, like there could ever be a just before the named angel, but he was of the elite the elite of the elite of the elite angels, the personal messenger of God. Okay, go with me there. Visit this moment with me there. One millisecond before his feet landed on the dusty road of Nazareth, one millisecond he was before the throne of God. I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that are going on up there. And that's the honest truth. But John the Apostle, at over 80 years old, he got a glimpse. He got a glimpse. In Revelation chapter 1, John the Apostle was exiled to the island of Patmos. Why? Because he was so on fire for God that he was dangerous. May it be. May it be. For us. To our dying day. At 90, he was there on that island, but he was in the spirit, it says. And he turned to see a voice that spoke to him. And having turned, he saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Let me say that again. One like, one like, one was the son of man. What did he look like? He was clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded around the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as the snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet fine brass as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of Niagara Falls, many waters roaring. He had in his right hand, okay, visualize that, seven stars. John was probably thinking, is that Saturn? The Mars? What you got there, Jesus? Seven? Seven in your hand? Seven stars were in the hand of Jesus. Now, just to put a little um, a pr- perspective on that, just a pause here. 
The earth weighs 600,000 million tons. Say, well, that's big. But a thousand earths could fit into Jupiter. If Jupiter was in Jesus' hand at one of the seven stars, you could say, wow, thank you. <laughs> um, a thousand earths could fit into Jupiter, but 1,300,000 earths could fit into our sun. Was our sun one of the stars he held in his hand at that moment? But lest you underestimate that moment, some stars could hold 500 million of our suns. Now you may say, wow, thank you, Jesus, that you are amazing, majestic, bigger than life. John saw Jesus as he really was. But Gabriel, Gabriel saw Jesus like that every day. One millisecond before he landed in Nazareth, he was overhearing and having a holy conversation of eternal plans. And I don't know, I don't know if I was him and I'd be listening to that, I'd be looking at Jesus and I'd say, you're going to do what? You are going to do what? You're going to turn into the size of a dot? You started your life. You personally started your life as small as the dot over an eye. Gabriel could have said, you're going to do what? One millisecond later. He's making the announcement because angels do what God tells them to do. He already knew that Jesus was great. Always has been. Always will be. In that moment, in that moment, it made me think of that, that veil. That veil. Because all that was going on. Now, I wonder what Mary was doing one millisecond before. And personally, I believe she was also in the earthly way that we can go before the throne of God. And in her magnificent, did you notice that she had said, God, you have seen my lowly estate. Was something going on in her life? Was she feeling small and in insignificant and unimportant in the eyes of this world. I bet she did. One millisecond before Gabriel showed up. There is a veil and it's real. And things are going over on and over right now. God is making eternal plans at the throne. Two people that I'm very close to have died in the last 10 days. I've gone to two memorials. And that reality has reminded me there's a veil between life here on this earth and the veil that opens up into eternity. I felt that so dramatically when I knelt by my mom's death. Her little empty body that was just laying there lifeless. And this is what I wanted to do. Mom, mom, 
Mom, I know. I know you just slipped through. I know you're not here. One second before you slipped through that veil, you were here, and then you were somewhere else. And I believe that she, she, one second, millisecond later, she saw Jesus as he really is. Reality is real. I mean, eternity is real. Just pausing there is a powerful moment. And I just want to make a note here of John 16 that Jesus said just hours before he was arrested and beaten and nailed to a cross just hours in John 16. He said, nevertheless, I tell you, it's to your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit plays a huge role in this story. Listen to what he then he says. When he, the Holy Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. He will guide you, not just Mary, not just Paul the Apostle. He will guide you into all truth. And then he says, and he will tell you things to come. That's what Jesus said. And that, that's what I believe he still does. Back to Luke 30 through 37. The angel told her that the Lord is with you. Fear not. Fear not. The Lord is with you. You have favor with God. Throughout her entire life, these words needed to be her anchor. <clears throat> Fear Fear magnifies trouble. Fear magnifies obstacles, roadblocks, detours. But faith, in contrast, magnifies God. Faith magnifies God. She had many, many moments in her story that would have looked like and felt like she wasn't favored with God. But one thing that she could hold fast to, the Lord is with you. He's with you. So the question still had to be asked by her. Not that she doubted. Not that she doubted God's message. But it was a technical question. It was the how. How is this going to happen exactly? Since the natural way of happening has not happened. How? Gabriel's answer is my favorite. It's a little cryptic. And to some people, it wouldn't have been settling. <clears throat> but it's the answer to all of life. Gabriel said, this is exactly how it will happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And this which you were conceived is holy. Is the Son of God. The Son of God is going to be formed in you. For with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, verse 38, let's look at it very carefully. She said these words. 
Behold, the man made servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. I love this moment. I love this moment. You know, later, she was a first-time mom, you know, and she had seen women of the village become pregnant and grow and grow, and then at nine months, look like they're going to overgrow. She had seen that happen. And yet, she was on the verge of accepting to have the Son of God grow in her womb. I mean, honestly, there would have been moments that she would have looked down and said, how big are you going to get? But here she stood at a crossroads of decision. She had a decision to make. And you know what she said? She said, I serve God. His life is mine. Let it be. Let it be. Speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And she stepped in to this wonderful, amazing, sometimes painful adventure. But here's the secret. It's the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Overshadowed her. And you know, I just, as I was sitting at my desk, I thought, when will we stop trying to accomplish the work of God? Or the things that we desire deep and know have to happen and need to happen by natural means to change our husband, to change our prodigal child. But I'm telling you, the hardest thing in my life isn't changing those people out there. The hardest thing in my personal world is God changed me. God changed me. And maybe you have something that you know God wants to do in your life to change you. Let the Holy Spirit overshadow you. R.A. Torrey said the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. It is his work to form Christ as a living presence within us. Just as the Holy Spirit literally and physically formed Jesus Christ in the womb of the Virgin Mary, so the Holy Spirit spiritually, not physically, but spiritually, really and truly, forms Jesus Christ within our hearts. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And when it did, when it did, in Acts chapter 1, we saw people change. And that's the secret for us. For two minutes, we have to visit one more spot that I think is a powerful, powerful moment. Turn to Luke 2 quickly. Because in Luke 2... Verse 22, now in the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed. They brought Jesus to present him to the Lord. And in Leviticus, it says they were to bring the firstborn and they were to offer a lamb and a turtle dove. But it also made the provision for very poor families that they could bring just two pigeons. And that day, this mom of just 12 days, 
who had traveled a hundred miles approximately from Nazareth to Bethlehem and given birth to a barn. Now she walks into the temple probably with the same clothes that she had left Nazareth with, with a poor husband. They walk in knowing that she is carrying the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And no one lifted an eye to see her until this moment. It says, and behold, and we must behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and about and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So that day, he must have got up in the morning and the Holy Spirit said, go to the temple, Simeon, just go. And by the Spirit, he did go to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom, he swooped up Jesus in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're departing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. And Joseph and Mary marveled. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and a sign to be spoken against and a sword will pierce your own soul. And the hearts of many will be revealed. Now that would be a hard moment. From a glorious moment to a hard moment. Oh God, don't leave us just standing there shaking. Oh, he didn't. A little Anna the prophetess, who had been a widow 84 years, Skinny little thing, I'm sure, because all she did was fast and pray. And she just walked up to that little gal. And I'm sure she prayed until the heavens were opened. Coming in in that instant. That instant. Let me just say those words again. That instant. God has good timing. And she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you are the supernatural overshadowing us with the Holy Spirit, God. Lord, we thank you that Mary said yes. That her soul magnified the Lord. And she said, let it be, and may it be with us, God. May you give us divine appointments and divine missions. And for the mothers in this room, may you hold your child as a gift from God. May you treasure the good, sweet moments and the hard moments too. And may the Holy Spirit give you wisdom. Wisdom. And guidance. And may you always remember that he is with you.
for we ask it in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen.